Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I said last week, if you were here or if you tuned in last week, um, this last 12 months have been exciting for us as a church for lots of reasons. One of the reasons is that we've um, become uh, part of a founding group of churches that have set up a new network in the UK and Ireland called the Further Faster Network. And uh, we exist to help other churches around the place to grow by reaching people who don't normally do church. And maybe this morning you don't normally do church and you're here. Then we hope that, we, that this makes sense to you and that you get something out of it. But you know, we are supported and resourced and encouraged by a church in Atlanta in America uh, called the North Point Church, uh, led by a guy called Andy Stanley. Great, amazing church, lovely heart. And they're so gracious. And one of the things they do is they give us resources. And this series, uh, You're Not the Boss of Me, is one of their series. So Andy Stanley uh, uh, created the content and originally uh, communicated it last year. So we've made it our own a bit, but we're passing the content on to you because it is such good stuff and hope that you were here last week. If not, then you can get it on YouTube. Have you ever read, okay, have you ever read uh, a survey of, of, of the answers to this question? People were asked, what would they do if they knew they could get away with it? The answers are terrifying when you read the answers to that. And so here's a question. What would you do if you knew you could get away with it. So I want you to talk to the person next to you for a moment. Would you do that? What would you do? Yeah, some of you are a little bit nervous in the room, aren't you? It's a nerve-wracking thing because, whoa, stop, 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 okay? Because we, we have got police officers in the house as well, okay? Um, you see, our culture, guys, our culture and life tells us to monitor our actions and behaviours. It doesn't teach us to monitor our heart. Okay, well, I'm speaking now, all right? So, <laughs> so our, culture, our culture and life, it also says this thing, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. You heard that? Yeah, follow your heart. That's a dangerous thing to do. Because you see, it's on the inside where our issues are. And if we just follow what's on the inside, we're probably going to end up in trouble. We're probably going to end up where we don't want to end up. Because it's our emotions that compete for control. And last week we looked at these amazing verses that Jesus spoke in Matthew 15 when he said this. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? To which all the disciples said, yeah, I totally know that because I see that every single day. Do you know what I mean? Know what you're talking about. Then he said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. And that word defile is a religious word. It means it puts you at odds with God. And we are at odds with God when what comes out of our mouth puts us at odds with one another. Because when you're at odds with one another, ultimately you're at odds with God. And then Jesus goes on to say, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So please, don't just follow your heart. Because inside your heart, inside my heart, are all this, is all this stuff. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, hey, it's hygienic, but it doesn't defile you. And, and you see, this is, why, this is why people that you know occasionally do things that seem to be out of character. Anyone ever notice that? And you've done things that are out of character as well. And so we say things like, oh, I don't know where that came from. Yes, we do. It came from your heart. Or this, I didn't mean to say that. Anyone ever said that? Of course you did. What you didn't mean to do is you didn't mean to say it out loud. You see, it's like this jar of sweets. Some of you will have noticed this jar of Skittles. Some of you have been sitting there thinking, I wonder when you were going to give those Skittles out. I'm not. 
In fact, after this illustration, this is a gift to the next gen office and to the equipped students. Okay, yeah, Ben, you're excited there. You see, it's a little bit like this. Full of Skittles, what will determine what comes out of this jar if I was to pour it out? Help me out. What would, de- what would determine what comes out if I was to pour this out? What's in? See, it doesn't matter how much tipping and shaking I do, that isn't going to determine what comes out if I was to tip it out. And you see, what life does is life tips us and life shakes us, but life doesn't determine what comes out of us. It's what's inside of us that will always determine what comes outside of us. And a guy called Solomon, who was the son of King David, the famous guy, King David, he wrote loads of stuff in the Bible, Solomon. A lot of it was really wise. And his most famous was this. Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. In another translation, it says this, guard your heart above all else. In other words, make it the centre, make it the top, make it the biggest priority, for it determines the course of your life. You know, many people are sat in maybe prison cells or sat in a place of brokenness or sat in, a, in an awful situation and they look back and you know what the reason that they got there is because they follow their heart. But the problem was inside their heart was a load of stuff and the Bible says that because they followed their heart so much, that determined the course and the direction of their life. You see, what you and I carry on the inside will always spill out to those on the outside. What you and I carry on the inside in our heart will spill out even to those that we care about and love the most. And I can't believe that this happened. But last Sunday, I spoke on this message. And then on the Monday, I was in a meeting and there was some stuff inside my heart and there's some stuff inside another guy's heart and we clashed. And all that stuff came out and it affected other people for a few minutes in the room. And it wasn't tragic and, and it's fine and we sorted it all out. But I knew as I came away, ha. Oh, Very easy for me to say, oh, he made me do that. No, he didn't. What he did was he surfaced what was already in my jar. And we're going to look this morning at this big question here. Guarding our heart involves cleaning toxins out, but also and keeping them out. So we've got to clean out some of the toxins in our heart, but we've also got to clean them out. And we're going to look at one of those toxins, one of those emotions this morning. And it's this word. And it's the word guilt. We look at guilt, and um, guilt is an emotion, because it is an emotion, associated with acknowledgement that you've done something wrong. Now, I think guilt is an emotion that my age and older are more susceptible to than the younger generation. I may be wrong on that, it's just a feeling. And certainly, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're more susceptible to guilt than younger generations are. Now, I know this because I was brought up in a Christian home. I didn't become a Christian for myself, because becoming a Christian... It's not about going to a home because going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. You know that old one. Uh, So basically, I was brought up in a Christian family, went to church from when I was a baby right the way. And I grew up in an environment where for my generation and older, guilt was quite a big player. So if you've been a Christian a long time, you'll know what I'm talking about. So for us growing up as a teenage lad full of hormones, I was often told this from the front. If Jesus was to come back tomorrow, what would he find you doing? Now, when you're a a hormonal lad, that's a scary thought, okay? It really is, trust me, all right? And the other big one was the cinema. Because when I was growing up, the cinema was an evil place that you didn't want to go to. And again, if Jesus came back and you were in the cinema, now I know it sounds ridiculous now, but that was the background. That was how I grew up. So for us, guilt was a big deal. In fact, we grew up in a, or my first church background was in a denomination that I 
very respectful for. But they had this kind of view about duty. Uh, okay, and so you did what you did out of duty. In fact, there was a song we used to sing. It was called this, by the pathway of duty flows the river of God's grace. That is terrible theology. Because grace and duty do not run together like that. But that's how I grew up. And so for me, guilt was a big deal. Younger generations, we don't feel so guilty as we used to do. And that's not a bad thing in that. And there is a false guilt when we shouldn't feel guilty. But folks, there is a real guilt because you did it. Because you said it. Because you wounded someone. Because you did something that was on the inside of you. And you shook it up a bit and it came out. And you did it. And you're guilty. And you carry that. And what we do is we justify it. So we say, oh yeah, I did. But I was young. Like I was in, I was, I was in my 20s. Everyone was doing it in their 20s. Yeah, but you did it. Oh yeah, yeah, but I had hormones. Yeah, that's fine. But you did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but they made, no, they didn't make you say that or do that. They just surfaced what was already in you. And you did it. And you're guilty. And the problem is when, when, when we realise that, we always try and push you back. So we try and deny it. And I, I can't believe that this happened. But, <laughs> and Alison said to me when we talked about this, please don't say that. You don't want to share that with everyone because, you know, and you're going to go on live and live stream it and you look such an idiot when you do that. But I thought, you know what? I've done it now. It's cost me a lot of money. At least I can do is to make a sermon illustration out of it. So I'm going to tell you. So while I was away this week, uh, I was at the Youth for Christ staff conference, which was really grateful and honoured to be out and uh, be a part of that amazing event with that brilliant organisation. Um, and while I was there, I, I phoned Alison and I said, how are you doing? And she said, well, I'm doing all right, but I'm looking at a ticket that you've just had. I said, what do you mean? She says, a fine. You just had a fine. I said, okay, what for? You drove down a bus lane and you shouldn't have done it in the middle of Birmingham. Oh, okay, okay. She says, not only once, not only twice, not only three times, not only four times, but five times in the same evening. I've got five tickets. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's bad, isn't it? It makes me look bad. Because what had happened was I was in a part of town I didn't know that well. And Alison was out for a night with the girls from work. And I said I'd pick her up, save her getting an Uber or a taxi back. Should have done it, shouldn't I? So anyway, I'm driving around, couldn't find anyone to park. So I just worked around the block. And five times I drove through a bus lane. And the problem is, I don't know, I may have done more than that. So I'm, I'm dreading tomorrow morning because I may get more. And here's the thing that I absolutely did on the phone and I can't believe I did it. At the, when I realised it was five tickets, you know what I said? It's your fault. Because <laughs> you asked me to come and pick you up and I phoned you and you could, didn't pick up the phone. And so then I drove around and blah, blah. And I found myself pushing back. And then I had to realise, Leon, you're an idiot. You did it and you're guilty. You did it and you're guilty. And how many of us, if we're really honest, we either we try and deny it or justify it or we allow it to define us. So we're either defined by our guilt or we deny our guilt. And there is a third way and it is a much, much better way. You see, what guilt does is it sets up this kind of relationship, debt and debtor. So when you're guilty and you know it, you owe somebody something. And so we use language like, I owe her an apology. How am I going to make it up to you? Because we have a debt and there is a debtor. And we owe something. That's what guilt does. And have you noticed that what happens here, you see, is denying it or being defined by it will always empower it. Because you see, what guilt does, and this is so important, you're going to hear this. Guilt creates a weight within you and the weight throws you off balance. So when you're guilty, guys, 
you, and, and some of you, this is, this is really hard-hitting stuff today, okay? When you've done something or said something and you carry it, you carry it as a weight and it throws you off balance. And so we over-parent or we under-parent. we too harsh or we're not tough enough. When it comes to relationships, we let people walk all over us or we're over-controlling and manipulative. Why? Because we're carrying guilt and it's a weight and it throws us off balance. Have you noticed, whenever you owe money to anyone, have you noticed, you see them loads until, you owe, until they owe you money and then you never see them again. Have you noticed that? And again, Solomon said it like this. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And when you owe, you're like a servant to them. You're like in chains to them. That weight is a weight that chains you to that person. And when you finally resolve the guilt, you say things like this. It's like a weight has been lifted off me. Had a guy this week, the conference, who came and told me something and shared something with me. I didn't know him and he didn't know me and maybe that was why I was there. And I said, hey, have you told somebody about this? And he said, you're the first person I've told. But then he said, but it's like a weight has been lifted off me. That's because guilt is a weight and it throws you off course. But here's the thing. Guilt often evolves into anger. You see, we're angry with ourselves, and so therefore we're angry with others. We're disappointed with ourselves, therefore we're disappointed with others. We're angry at our own guilt, therefore others can't live up to our expectations. It often evolves into anger. And guilty people rarely make this connection. Have you noticed <laughs> that we judge other people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions? Isn't that true? So we judge each other by what they do, but when we do something wrong, oh, well, my intention was good. So if you notice, drivers who drive slower than you are idiots. And drivers who drive faster than you are maniacs. There's only you that's the perfect driver, isn't there? That's what we do. That's what we do. We deny it or we are defined by it. The problem with guilt is that when you face it and embrace it, it leaves us with this word, condemned. And condemned doesn't just mean you're guilty. It also means unfit for use. And so a building is condemned, like our building next door, fire damaged building next door is condemned at the moment, unfit for use. And what we do, when we face it and when we embrace it, the guilt leaves us feeling condemned and we've done it and we know we've done it and it's there on the ticket and you know, it's the camera, it can't lie, I know it, I've done it. So I either deny it or I can't deny it, so then I'm defined by it because I feel condemned. But here's the thing that I want you to think about, and this is really powerful. The past wasn't designed to be left behind. Now, that, now that, that's going to rock some of you because you don't believe it. Oh, yeah, I did it, but it's in the past. Can't change it, so it's in the past, so I just leave it. You will never, ever deal with your guilt if you like that. That guilt will be a weight and it will become the boss of you. You see, we can either deny it, we can be defined by it, or there is a third way, and this is the third way that we're going to open up this morning. This is the way that the Apostle Paul discovered. Now, the Apostle Paul, I want to tell you a little bit about this guy. He had more guilt in his life than anybody in this room and anybody out there put together. Because this guy loved God. He was brought up uh, in the Jewish faith and the Jewish tradition and his name was Saul originally. He loved God so much that he went into kind of um, religious leader school called, he became a Pharisee. And he, was a, the, he said of himself, you see, he didn't deny his guilt. He, didn't, um, he wasn't defined by his guilt. He actually documented his guilt. He wrote it all down. Because he discovered this third way that I'm going to introduce to you this morning. And, and he grew up as a Pharisee and he learned all the stuff. He learned all the stuff about the law. 
But then he became a hater of these new group of people, these Jesus followers. And so much so that not only did he speak against them, but he persecuted them. And some of them he had executed. And, and then later on in his life, uh, he met Jesus himself and he became a follower of Jesus. Imagine, imagine later on in life as a follower of Jesus, meeting some of the family of people that he had put to death in his past. You talk about guilt. And he talks about guilt and he talks about his own guilt and he doesn't deny it, but he's not defined by it because he's discovered a third way. Now, when I go to the Bible here, because that's a very long introduction, when we go to the Bible here, please, if those of you in the room or watching, you're already Jesus followers, don't switch off. This is such well-known language. Easy for you to switch off and get all religious on me. Don't do that. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 8, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Anyone excited about that? Don't get into preacher mood. That's what you're doing there. Don't. Let, let, let's unpack it. Therefore, there is now, in other words, now there is a new space that there wasn't there before. That's what that must mean. Therefore must mean something's come before it. In the Bible, um, it, it wasn't written in chapters, okay? Paul wrote this letter to the Romans as one big letter, gave it to Phoebe, um, one of the early leaders in the church, women leaders in the church, come on. And she took it to Rome and read it out to the Romans. But we've now got another chapter before eight, which is seven. In chapter seven, before therefore, Paul is talking about what Jesus has done on the cross for him and what Jesus took on the cross for him. Therefore, because of what Jesus has done, there is now a new place where there's no condemnation. Let's carry on. For those who are in Christ Jesus. So this new place is all about being in Christ Jesus. Let's carry on. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that the law of sin and death means that when you mess up, you are guilty and that leaves you condemned. But because of what Jesus has done, I'm going to open up a new space. And here, here it is. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And I absolutely love this. What Jesus did is He took on Himself condemnation. The Bible says He took divine condemnation. In other words, the condemnation from God to us, He took that. He took self condemnation. One of the hardest people you will ever forgive is yourself, isn't it? Jesus took self-condemnation. He took all condemnation onto himself. Some of you in this room, you know this is true. You've done things. You've said things. Some of you are followers of Jesus. You've done things. You've said things. As a follower of Jesus, you are still carrying around the weight that Jesus says, I put that on me. I put that on me. You don't have to deny it. You don't have to be defined by it. But there's a third, third way. And here it is. You are guilty, but you're not condemned. See, Paul says in chapter 7, do you know what? I knew all the law. I knew the law and I did everything in the law. But you know what? Still, what I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And what I hated to do, I did because there was some stuff inside me. And it didn't matter how much life shook it up. It always came out. But then when I stepped into Christ, when I stepped into a relationship with Jesus, he took all that stuff on himself. So now I am guilty, but I am not condemned. I think that's absolutely amazing. God says, 
When I see you, I don't see that. When I see you, I don't see that. Maybe you sat at home on your own. God says to you, when I see you, I do not see that. Isn't that incredible? And so the final verse. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Guys, we are guilty of lots of things, but we're not condemned. Four big implications that I want to leave with you this morning. Implication number one. If this is true, and I believe it is, number one, you forfeit the right to condemn yourself because you are not yours to condemn. So there are some of you in this room, some of you watching, and you're condemning yourself. But Jesus says, if this is all true, hey, you've given up that right because you're not your own. The Bible says that you were bought with a price. The the Son of God who died, who loved Himself and gave Himself for you. So you're not yours, so you can't condemn you because you don't have the right to do that. That's so, so important. You know, this morning, I shared this at the first service and I I shared it and like it was difficult, like I hadn't told Alison this. Because I woke up this morning really early and I woke up because I had a dream and I very rarely dream and remember it. And the dream was about something that I had done many, many years ago and I was totally guilty and totally wrong. And I haven't thought about this thing for years and I woke up totally devastated. And I woke up feeling utterly condemned. And as I tried to get myself together and Alison was still in bed and it was really early and I was wandering around the house and praying and trying to get myself together and, and whatever, I thought, oh, where's that come from? Then I realised where it's come from. It's come from the enemy. I don't talk about this very, very much. You know that. It's not who I am. But you know, the Bible says that, that the enemy, the devil, is, is the accuser. So when he comes and whispers stuff that Jesus already dealt with, you know it's not Jesus, it's him. But I'm talking to you about the weight of guilt that you carry. And I know that that's true as well. And then the enemy comes out and brings, reminds me of some stuff from my past that Jesus says, you haven't got the right to condemn yourself anyway because I've taken all that condemnation, Leon. I've taken that, that happened, that yes, you were guilty, but you had forgiveness and you had restoration. And you don't have to carry that. You are guilty. But when I see you, I don't see that. So neither should you. And it did feel like a little bit of a weight off me as I came and began to speak about this. And maybe this morning, there are some of you and you're carrying around a weight that Jesus says is not yours to carry any longer. Number two, number two, your guilt will remind you, but it will not define you. You know, this idea, oh, it's in the past. That's rubbish. Guilt, it kind of, it becomes part of your story, but it doesn't define you. It just reminds you. You're not what you did or what you said. You are who God says you are. And um, the past is a reminder that we look up in gratitude. And, and, you know, the Bible says that those who have been forgiven much, then they love much. And so I love that story where that woman, that um, she's had a past. And the Bible's inference is that maybe she was a prostitute. We're not quite sure, but she certainly had a very colourful past. And, uh, and she meets Jesus. And Jesus is surrounded at this dinner with religious people. She comes in the middle and she just, she's so in love with Jesus. She's so full of gratitude for what he's done for her that she, she um, uh, uh, weeps over her. Laura was saying about the crying child. This woman had a big crying child that night. She, she wept over and she, she worshipped Jesus. And, and the other guys were just stony faced and stony hearted. And Jesus said, hey, hey, she has forgiven much. So she loves much. You see, her past will remind her, but it will not define her. Number three, you forfeit the right to condemn others because that would make you a hypocrite. You, you know, I, I think that when we are 
unaware of our own guilt and when we're unaware of the forgiveness we have from God and when we're unaware of the fact that yes, we're guilty but we're not condemned. When we're unaware, we can be more judgmental about other people. But when you're aware, you are less judgmental about others as well. And can I just say, my experience is that the more judgmental I am of others is an indicator of the less appreciative I am about what Jesus has done for me. And here's the other thing, and I want to say this to some of you who are older Christians, okay? My other experience is this. I have been disappointed and let down more by older Christians than younger ones. And I want to say to you guys, as we get older, it's really easy for us sometimes to look down on younger believers and say, oh, look at the music they're listening to and look at what they're doing and look at the mistakes they're making. And we forget what we were like. Yeah? We forget what we were like. But you know, the the longer we go on, the more aware we are of what Jesus has done for us, the more loving and the less judgmental we should be of those coming behind us and alongside with us. Number four, the final one. You are free to make restitution without expectations and without excuses. Now, this is really big. If we've hurt or wounded others, we have a debt. And we can come to Jesus and Jesus can forgive us. That's great. But if we really are not, if we're going to handle guilt in such a way that guilt will not throw us, the guilt will not become the boss of us, we may need to go to someone who we have hurt and wounded to make restitution to. And um, when we go, we don't want to go with narrative. We don't want to go with excuses. We don't want to go with stories. We go with an apology. Maybe that act itself could unlock a vault of bitterness within that person. Here's the question. Is somebody waiting for you to make the first move? Now, I don't know where this was the case, but many, many years ago, I bumped into somebody in a local business who I hadn't seen for years. And this person was a part of my teenage story. And um, I'd hurt this person, took something from this person that was very precious. And this person wasn't walking with Jesus as far as I knew. But, but, but when, I, when, I, when I met them, I knew that God was speaking to me about this. And, and so eventually I plucked up the courage and I went and made restitution for that. And I don't know really what it did for that person. My hope and prayer was that it was a helpful thing for them. I know it was a way off me. But my prayer is not just get something off my chest, but I want to do something good in you as well. And that's so, so important. You know, I can't take back the harm I've done to them. You can't take back what you said. You can't undo what you've done. You can't unsay what you said. You can't unleave if you've left. You can't un unfaithful. You can't do that. But what you can do is that you can make restitution. You see, God gave you what you didn't deserve. So the least you can do is to give someone else what they do. And I'm going to challenge you before we're done this morning to name somebody in your mind that you know you've hurt or you've wounded and to go and make restitution to them. You will do that when the weight of guilt is not the boss of you any longer. So why wouldn't you do that? Maybe pride. Maybe pride would stop you doing that. Is pride the boss of you? Maybe shame. Is shame the boss of you? Maybe embarrassment. Is embarrassment the boss of you? I love, you've heard me say it so many times. My favourite John Cleese quote. And if you're English, you'll get this. If you're not, you won't, okay? So, so indulge me. But the goal of every Englishman is to get safely to his grave without ever having been embarrassed. And that's so true. But I want you to know, listen, embarrassment never killed anybody. You won't die of embarrassment. So I want to encourage you. 
Begin to think right now about who it is in your world that you need to make restitution for. Now, the other thing is many of us are guilty, not because we've hurt or wounded other people, but we're guilty because we're carrying the guilt of something that we've done or are doing currently. And this is an amazing quote from Andy Stanley. We fear the consequences of confession more than we fear the consequences of concealment. Isn't that powerful? We fear the consequences of confession, in other words, telling someone more than we fear the consequences of concealment. But can I just tell you, guys, if you're concealing something and you know and it's carrying a weight around you, it is a killer. It is far more dangerous to you than confession. And the Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 9, we know it very well, that if we're faithful, if we confess our sins, He is faithful, sorry. And so if we go to God and we say, God, this is what I've done, this is what I'm doing, he'll, he'll, He's faithful, He'll just, He'll forgive us our sins, He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. We will be free between us and God. But there's another verse in James where it says we should confess our sins to one another because then we'll be healed. And there's something, I don't understand all this, it's like a mystery. There's something that when we confess to God, there's forgiveness from God. When we confess to one another, there's freedom. The weight comes off, the chains are broken and we are free. And so this morning, if you are carrying the guilt, the weight of the guilt of stuff, listen, if it's pornography, chances are, that there are many of you in this room who are gripped with the addiction of pornography. Chances are there are loads of you out there just by statistics. And the fact that you're a Christian means no difference other than the fact that for you to carry on in that means somehow you're shutting down the voice of the Spirit somehow. And I tell you, the longer you do that in concealment, the longer that, will, the longer that hold will have on your life. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's a, it's a way of living that nobody else knows about. But you fear concealment more than you fear, fear confession. And I want to say to you, confession, bringing something into the light, destroys some of the power that that has on you and over your life. You are guilty, but you're not condemned. Isn't that great? I want to invite the band to come back up. And uh, I've got another couple of little questions for you here. Not little ones, they're quite big actually. What has God said to you today? I know God's spoken. I know God's spoken because I don't get woken up on the morning of a preach with a dream like I got this morning on the subject of this morning, which I haven't thought about in years and years. I know God's at work. Because I say what, when the Holy Spirit is at work, so is the other one. So is the enemy. The enemy, if you're a follower of Jesus today, the enemy can't get you. But what he can do is he can keep you weighted down with guilt. And if he keeps you weighted down with guilt, you're not free to be the person God created you to be. And God said, hey, you are guilty, but you're not condemned. When I see you, I don't see that. So what has God said to you? But secondly, and this is more important really, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because you can know that God has spoken to you, but if you do nothing with it, the weight carries on weighing you down. But if you do something about it today, then maybe that weight will lift and guilt will not be the boss of you any longer. So what we're going to do, we've got some time this morning. We're going to sing amazing hymn together that we know about the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. And when we get to that bit where it says, my chains are gone, we're going to live that out this morning and we're going to be grateful to God for it. But in this time, there are some other things that you could do in terms of response and encounter with God. You can stay where you are and sing, that's fine. 
There's communion down here. Bread and juice speak about what Jesus has done. And you can come and you can take that and you can take it in remembrance. But take it in gratitude. Thank Jesus for what he's done, that your guilt and your sin is taken to the tree. Brilliant. But you know, in the back corner, there's the cross. And there you could go, as people did at the first service, you could go and you could kneel there at the cross. Just say, hey, here's what I've done. Here's what I've said. Here's who I am. But I know, I know that I'm guilty, but I'm not condemned because of the cross. You could go and you could kneel and you could give that, give whatever that is over to Him. It may be that you want prayer this morning. Maybe you're carrying a weight of something. Maybe you're carrying guilt from the past. Maybe you know that when you connect with God, when you try and connect with God, it's just not happening. And, and you'd value someone else praying for you. Or maybe you know that you need to make restitution to someone and you need some courage to do that. We've got a prayer team and they'll come down here. Now the fourth area is really difficult. On there where we used to serve tea and coffee, just in the corner there, there are some heart-shaped little cards. If you know that there's someone in your world that you owe restitution to, that you owe an apology to, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but you know, you know that name is right there in your, in your mind. I'm going to encourage you as we're all moving around and all worshiping to go there, to write that name on that heart and just stick it in your pocket so that you know when you go home, that's what God said to you about and you're going to do something about it. And when you do, you're not going to make up loads of excuses, not say, yeah, I have done this to you, but you do this. You're not doing that. You're just going free to make restitution to someone that you owe something to. God gave you what you don't deserve. The least you can do is give something that they do deserve. So can I invite you to stand, guys? I invite you to stand. And as we sing, as Abby and the team lead us, I want to invite you to respond to Jesus this morning. I know that there are some of you and you are carrying the weight and you've been carrying the weight for so, so long. And God is saying, He's brought you here or you tuned in and you're watching this today because He doesn't want you to carry the weight any longer. When I see you, I don't see that. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You so much. Your amazing power of Your Word, the truth, the practical, powerful truth of Your Word, God. And Lord, I want to thank You that, God, every single one of us in this room are guilty. But hey, if we're in You, we're not condemned. When You see us, You don't see that. So God, I pray that You would allow us, Lord, we don't want to deny the past. We don't deny our guilt. We don't want to be defined by our guilt. Lord, we want to see this third way where You take that on Yourself and You give us that gift of forgiveness that we can walk not by the guilt, not by the weight, but by the freedom that we have in You. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. As we sing, guys, I want to invite you to respond. If you want to take communion, it'd be great if you maybe came down the side or came down this side. So if there's anyone for prayer, they can come over to this side. There's the cross at the back. And um, also, also, really important, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that for the first time and see that weight lifted off you for the first time, again, you can do that at the cross. Just fill in that card, pop it in there, and then we'll contact you and help you with some next steps as well. So as we sing, let's respond to Him and to what God has said in our lives today.